0: Welcome to the Speakeasy Podcast. I am your host, Constance Willard, and November is National Caregivers Month. And so, here at the Speakeasy, for the month of November, we will be saluting our caregivers. Caregiving is such a thankless and a thoughtless role that many of us find ourselves in as we provide care professionally or for those that we love. We sometimes feel isolated. We sometimes feel alone. But I want to reach out to every caregiver out there to let them know that you're not alone. There is help available for you. We want to empower you and educate you so that you can be the best caregiver that you are at the same time, strengthen and. Maintain your own self-help because if you are an empty vessel, you are unable to pour into others. And so today, we have a great show planned. First guest I have, Jasmine Kelly Stevens. And Jasmine is a holistic health coach. And she's going to come and she's going to share on healthy eating tips, how to avoid emotional eating and just to give some good resources on how to eat healthy and live better. And so I am gonna bring Jasmine up right
1: now. Good
0: evening, Jasmine, how are you?
1: Good evening, Constance. I am doing wonderful on this beautiful Sunday evening. And I wanna thank you so very much for this awesome opportunity. Thank you for having
0: me. I thank you for agreeing to come and to share and to drop nuggets for the listening audience on healthy eating you know that's something that's so important for our well-being absolutely for our health and so just kind of tell the audience who you are and you know how did you become a health a holistic health coach
1: oh that is a million dollar question (laughs) okay so my name is jasmine kelly stevens and i am a holistic health and wealth coach as you already said um how did i become a health coach i was not always a health coach. I actually, like many, um, worked in corporate. I have my bachelor's in accounting and I have a master's in global management. So, you know, all of the um, accolades, right? But somehow I just felt like, mm, this is not quite me. I think God, he is like calling me to do something a little bit more impactful. I didn't quite know what that was. Um, but however, um and I am not knocking my corporate jobs, right? Because they serve their purpose and it was very good. And one of the benefits that my corporate job had was, hey, we get to work with a personal trainer for a very, very small fee. And I jumped for that opportunity. And one of the first things that this personal trainer did for all of us is to refer was to refer us to an integrative doctor. And mm-hmm. that was just such... An amazing opportunity for me. I'd never worked with an integrative doctor before. It's just really different from a regular general practitioner, and um, just the whole um, process with this integrative doctor, it was transformative. And I was so impressed because I was already like seeing, you know, positive changes um, in my life. I was I had made uh, a few changes that he recommended, and they were all just showing up. And I was really just enjoying the experience. And I remember one day when I just was like, you know, I still in my corporate job and it was time for me to figure out, okay, what is that thing that I need to do? And I remember having the conversation with him and said, I want to do something like what you're doing. You know, I just love how you've transformed my life. You're doing the same thing to everybody. And I, that's what I love. I love health and wellness. I want to do something. And it was like he knew exactly what to tell me because it was that conversation that led me the very next day to enroll in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and sign up as a health coach. And that was like, gosh, we're going on 12 years, almost 12 years ago. But um, that was like, you know, when when we talk about divine, you know, intervention, that really was it because he knew exactly what I needed and he was very instrumental in encouraging me and just inspiring me to, to do that. I didn't want to go back to be a doctor because no, I that's, that was not my thing, but I wanted to help people. I loved all things health and wellness. I believe that the body is such an amazing machine and it can heal itself. Believe it or not, it can heal itself if we give it a chance. And then I also believe in all the natural remedies. That's always my first go to. You know, even growing up in the Caribbean, that's what we use. Like any ailment that we had, it was like take a bush, drink some bush steel, take this herb for that. And those are all things that I grew up with. And I, I embraced them as part of my culture and I actually saw where they have actually done amazing work in my life. So I wanted to do something that encapsulated everything, you know, like all of my core principles. I love helping people as well. I love to serve. And so the health coach was exactly where I needed to be.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And you know, it is so amazing how our lives take twists and turns Oh, yes. To get us where we needed to be.
1: Absolutely. You know, I look
0: back at myself. I started out as a pre-med chemistry major. And then I went from that to teaching elementary school. And then I went from that to nursing. I'm still nursing, but in a different different way. But all the little nooks and crannies and the twists mm-hmm. and turns and how they led me to where I am today. Yes. And so it's just amazing. You know, I tell people, you know, whatever job you have, you know, whether you want the job, you like the job, you just do it to get by. That's okay, But use it as a stepping stone, as a learning tool to further develop yourself into what greatness lies ahead of you. So I, I like your story. I like your story. So let's talk about being a caregiver. And, you know, a lot of times as a caregiver, you feel like you're alone. And most times you are. And it's just you and the person that you are providing care for. And so due to isolation, you may tend not to eat healthy or eat as you should. And I love these little series you do on emotional eating and how to overcome that. So let's just kind of walk through the emotional eating and some things we can do to combat that.
1: Well, so I, I love that you're focusing on on caregivers for this for this month. Caregiving, um, caregivers, like you said, their role is not to be discounted, and we've all been in the position, right, where mm-hmm. we have been a caregiver. If we are moms, if you have parented a child, or if you're a grandparent and you've taken care of your grandchildren, you know, like that. Those are all, um, you know, assuming the role of a caregiver, and it is so important because. Like you said, we pour everything as we should, right? Because that's your role and whoever you're taking care of, they're depending on you. And so that's a role to be taken seriously. Well, how about if we take that role seriously and we also kind of flip the switch, right? And then we also take care of ourselves because, you know, the saying is true. You can't really serve from an empty cup. So you, and it's also true that we perhaps should be serving from an overflow. So not really waiting for the cup to, you know, start getting yeah. empty, but just making sure that you're taking care of yourself, right? Those are like the self-care strategies and tips that we talk about. And it's not just self-care Sunday or self-care Saturday. It's every single day, taking care of yourself and making sure emotionally you are on point. And so assessing all the areas in your life, physical, you know, are you... um treating yourself well in terms of nourishing your body so it can actually withstand what you need to go through, or you're getting adequate sleep, or you're moving enough because we tend to sit a lot, all of those things. And we talk about them all the time, and even to the point where maybe they have even become cliche, but it's these things that work. They work. Um, And we need to actually make sure as a caregiver, that we are taking the time out to take care of ourselves so that the people that we're taking care of, they're getting the best of us. They're not just getting, you know, like the the flimsy, tired, you know, overworked side of us, but they're getting that nurturing side of us. So um, very important that we take care of ourselves.
0: Yes, that is so true. And I know as far as overcoming and combating emotional eating yeah you know yes. i struggled with childhood obesity and struggled with obesity for 47 years of my life and a lot of it was centered around emotional eating food was my comfort food was my company i found pleasure in it and so that's what i lived for was my food i live yes. for i live for my snacks i live for my food you know what was being prepared whatever I, food was my company and my comfort. But once I overcame that battle and I start seeing the results of eating healthier and enjoying the way I feel because I felt so much better. You know, it was just like I was a new person. I can advise anyone, you know, if you're struggling with emotional eating, whether you're overweight or not, because you got some people who are of a good weight and they still eat emotionally. You know, come up with some ways to overcome that and stick to it and stick, you know, do it as a lifestyle.
1: Yes. Not a diet,
0: but a lifestyle. So what do you have to offer to someone who may be struggling with emotional eating?
1: Okay. So I, like you, I can definitely attest to the fact that I was an emotional eater as well. As a matter of fact, I would say it goes back like 30 plus years. And for me, when I sat down and figured it out, how it all started, which is also one of the reasons I was working, um, seeing an integrative doctor, I didn't realize that I had a problem with like sweets, with cravings. And when I really went back, it really stemmed back from when I was a kid. Like I was, I had a sweet tooth, a particular sweet treat that I would always, you know, resort to. That was like my safe haven. And I would remember like hiding sometimes and eating it because I didn't want anyone to see me, but that was my thing. And like, fast forward into adulthood, you know, it became even more, more severe. Like I was a sweet tooth. And so I've struggled with that as well. And so some tips that you can do when you are an emotional eater. Well, first of all, you have to identify right with being an emotional eater, and maybe. Um, and some people don't want to because it's it's so sensitive. You know, emotional eating is a very sensitive um, topic, and that's why. For me, like I work with my clients one on one because I realize, hey, they want that safe space. They want somebody that they can trust. So um, you really need to just sit down and figure out what is going on. Like, what are the emotions, right? You got to check in with yourself. So that would probably be like self connection, right? What is it that you are feeling? Right, the emotions that you're feeling and what are you needing at this time? A lot of the times the emotions can be so painful, right? Maybe resentment or anger or whatever it is that we're feeling that we don't really want to feel the emotions. So instead what we do, we bypass that emotion. Like we know I can't, I can't deal with that right now. And so what we do, right? To deal with that we grab the food, we grab the food. And so mm-hmm. food is like, it, it's soothing, right? It, we're using it as a soother. And so what we need to do is realize, sit back, give yourself a few minutes, check in, just like a mechanic will check in on his car or you would check in on your car. The red light comes on, that's a signal. We get signals too, but we bypass them. Very, very important that you are giving yourself that nurturing care and the benefit of a doubt, right? We we all need at least five to 10 minutes a day. <laughs> I mean, we have 24 hours and imagine that sometimes we don't really give ourselves like a good amount of time to check in with ourselves. And so it starts with that, the self-connection, check in with yourself and then begin to figure out what is it that you are needing at that time. A lot of the times, if we really sit with it, it's not the food that we're needing at the time because we may not necessarily be hungry, right? But we still want the food because we want to bypass and we don't want to feel that whatever that emotion is. So very, very important. And then you also have to set yourself up for success. And what I mean by that when it comes to food, right? Because if you know that you are a sweet tooth and if you know that certain things trigger you until you have a different strategy in the meantime, because I wouldn't say, okay, getting rid of the food is is the ultimate strategy, but as you are working on yourself and working to get to the point where you can literally walk past a cookie and not even think about it, right? <laughs> that is the whole. That's where we want to get to. The point where we want to get to. But in the meantime, set yourself up for success. So if you know that certain things are gonna trigger you, then just don't. Don't when you go to the store leave it on the shelf. Don't don't even buy it and bring it home, right? Because you know, if you bring it home, come on, we're only human. You're going to want that thing. And the first time you feel an emotion, a sensation, you're going to be like, okay, because the brain, remember the brain, the brain is just such an amazing thing, but the brain loves habit. So while you're working on developing a new habit, and we also talk about habits a lot because It's really um, replacing those habits with new ones, right? And so you want to develop new habits. And so your brain is going to tell you, no, I want that cookie. No, I want that candy bar. I want that donut. I want it. Like me, 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 me. I want, I want. Like that little inner child that's like screaming me, me, me. (laughs) And you have to actually like just figure out and develop strategies where that you say, nope, not right now. Not right now. I don't need that right now. I can eat it because there's nothing wrong with having a cookie or a candy bar, right? It's not about deprivation, but it's instead of the food or this feeling overtaking you and controlling you is you saying, no, I'm in control and I'm going to have the cookie or I'm going to have the candy bar, but not today. I, I, maybe tomorrow, or maybe later, or maybe I'll save it for the weekend, where you get to the point where you are now in control. But, <laughs> so very important that you develop those new habits.
0: Wow. Wow. And so as far as healthy snacks, you know, because no. you can't go cold turkey.
1: You, no, no, no. I won't even suggest that. Okay. So I'm all about baby steps. I always say baby steps are better than no steps at all. So cold turkey may work for some people but listen i'm that's not what i'm going to suggest so yes healthy snacks because i'm gonna tell you i'm a snacker too (laughs) so i remember when i actually replaced my snacks with nuts with raw nuts but then i realized i was just munching on the nuts every time i feel like snacking like that's not good either you know wow like like the grazing all day that's not really serving the purpose either but good like you said and very good question it's good to start out at least replacing your snacks if you are a snacker with healthy alternatives so some of my favorite snacks i love i love an apple any apple your favorite apple with almond butter or if you're a peanut butter person that is an all around Healthy snack, and it is like it's like your apple, which is fiber and all the delicious nutrients in the apple. Then you have the butter, the almond butter, or the nut butter that has healthy fats and it has some protein. You eat that, you will feel satisfied, very satisfied, because when you have a snack, the element of protein should always be there right so an apple by itself is probably not going to make you feel satiated you probably just you're going to feel hungry still after that but when you have that apple and some um nut butter oh my gosh it's it is so it feels so good going down and it really makes you feel good after as well so that's very satisfying now i would say also to have these things handy cuz remember preparation is key plan plan, plan, right? So you need to have some of these things ahead of time. And it doesn't take hours in the kitchen. Okay. I know people are like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to meal prep or any of that. No, 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 no. You do what works for you, right? Even if it means you are preparing something for the for the whole week, for the rest of the week then you do it that way. Whatever works for you, but you can't do what works for somebody else because it's not going to work. So it's all about what works for you. So have those things, uh, smoothies. That's a good snack too. Smoothies are so good. You can pack all, or you can pack some stuff in smoothie. You yes. can have, yes, you can have your green veggies in there, right? That's what you need that. Then you may have some berries, mixed berries, And then I'm going to go back to the protein again, a nice scoop of your favorite protein powder and maybe um, a quarter of an avocado because you need that healthy fat or maybe a tablespoon of almond butter or peanut butter. You always need those elements, the protein, the healthy fats. And then when you have uh, maybe some baby spinach or or romaine lettuce or mixed greens, mixed greens, I, I use a lot. In my smoothie, and that's a really good snack as well. And some people love the jerky. I'm not. I I've never had it. I don't think I would like it. But you know, those are um, also um, some healthy snacks that you can have as well. And here is my thing. Now, when you are buying those things that are processed, that are already in a bag, a can, a bottle, or a box or whatever, when you go to the store, always turn it over. And read your ingredients. Do not believe anything until you have proven it to be so. And so you want to turn it over and read those ingredients. Because you want to make sure, listen, the first ingredient is not sugar. <laughs> because if the first ingredient is sugar, you are defeating the purpose, you know. So you want to make sure that you uh, um, you can even pronounce the words, <laughs> the ingredients that, that's in the, on the list, you know. Make sure it's word that you can pronounce. And a lot of the times, too, I would say, um, if the ingredients are over 10, like 7 to 10 ingredients, yeah, you may want to put that back because it's a little too much ingredients. And then there were some times you're just going to want to have that thing. You're just going to want to have that M&M or you're just going to want to have that Snickerball, whatever it is. Like, okay, so if that's what you need to have at whatever time you need to have it, have it. But... Don't make it a habit, right? So remember, we are creating new habits. And so, as you are crowding out, and crowding out means that you don't necessarily need to, like you said, you don't necessarily need to go cold turkey. But when you are adding in, say, for example, more water instead of soda, right? And even if you still drink the soda, but you're adding in more water, you're adding more water, the tendency. Will eventually be you may not want to drink that many, that much soda anymore because you're adding in more water. And then you're adding in more veggies and more fruits. And then you the tendency, I promise you, you know, if you try it, like you add in those things, eventually you're gonna realize that you are actually getting rid of the other stuff. And that's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Not going cold turkey. But just crowding it out. And that's a word that I borrowed, by the way, from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, crowding out. But I find that that's actually so much better than going cold turkey.
0: I like that term crowding out. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I know for me, when I first started my journey. You know, my thing was potato chips. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was my biggest weakness. I don't care what flavor as long as it was salty and it was a chip. And so what I had to do for myself, because what I was doing was, I would buy the family size bag of chips, not the regular one serving size, Mm -hmm. the family size, and I would eat one of those every day at my desk, sitting at my desk at work, and I would eat that. And so what I had to do to overcome that, I bought some little Ziploc sandwich bags, and I would put just a few chips in the bag, and I would take those to work, and I would nibble off of those chips. I'd make that one little bag of chips last all day. And that's how I got over that. Now, I don't even like potato chips because for, for some reason, since the pandemic, they don't taste the
2: same. <laughs> so, oh, I, don't,
0: I don't even buy them anymore. You know, and that was my biggest weakness were chips. Chips and Fritos, the chili cheese Fritos, those were my <laughs> weakness. I can't stand them now. I can't stand them. So I don't even have chips in my house anymore. Wow. I wow. I just don't. But yeah, it's, you know, it's baby steps. Yes. You know, and especially when you're trying to lose weight. And I tell people all the time, you know, you didn't gain the weight overnight. So it's not going away. And so the modification of behavior is yeah. not going to happen overnight either. That's a process yeah. that you're going to have to build up to.
1: But That's if you right. work
0: for it, it can happen. Absolutely. It, can, it can very much happen. And so when you first went, to, you know, decided to become a health coach, you know, for yourself personally, mm-hmm. you know, what place and space were you in even get you interested in that?
1: Um, so I, like I had mentioned, I, so I grew up in the Caribbean. And so just growing up in the Caribbean, being exposed to We didn't even call foods organic because I think everything was just organic. I remember that we would use cow manure like as the fertilizer. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's the environment that I grew up in where like it was herbs and bush and all the things, no medication, you know, just natural food. So I grew up with that. Um, When I came to America at the age, at age 16, you know, things change a little bit, you know, um, you could just go down to the corner store, the bodega and, you know, just buy like a little Twinkie or something like, oh boy, I don't need these things in my life. But, you know, they were so easily accessible. Um, But working out with the personal trainer eventually, and I was about what age I was, I was, I just turned 30. I was a little over 30 when I started working out with the personal trainer. So here the personal trainer now is kind of bringing me back to those times that I'm accustomed to like, you know, bringing me back to eating wholesome foods because that's what I was raised on. But, you know, somewhere along the way, you know, we kind of lost our way. We go astray and, you know, start eating the things that taste good. And it, you know, it tastes so good and we eat it more and it becomes a habit. And so for me, it really was him reminding me and then um, just going to an integrative doctor regularly, who said to me, okay, here are the things I need for you to, <laughs> for you to eliminate. And one of the things was gluten, you know, like, okay, let's have some gluten-free grains instead, the buckwheat and the amaranth and all those lovely grains. And so it was really, like I said, I, I think, you know, God just, I, I when looking back, I see where God just orchestrated Every single step, you know, of my life, to just get me to the point where I was right back in the space that I knew. You know, and so it was easy for me. It was easy for me to to do exactly um, what he prescribed, what the um, the integrative doctor prescribed. So yeah. it was easy for me, but it's not always, it's not easy for everyone. And that's why I say, you know, every person is unique. And that's why it's so difficult to just have like a cookie cutter program, you know, for people, because I just feel like that's not serving them at the highest level. You have to know the person, you have to know their background, you have to know their core principles. What are those beliefs that they've believed all their life? Why is it they are here at this juncture in their life? And that looks differently for every single person.
0: Now I hear you mentioned this about two or three times, the term integrative medicine. Explain <laughs> what that is, please.
1: <laughs> well, integrative medicine is really just um integrating like um holistic. So it's holistic health, right? Mm-hmm. You're integra- yes. So it's a combination of um herbs, um uh what is the other word? I cannot even think about it right now. Oh, my goodness, I don't remember it. But it's just saying that we are using all these different modalities because, like to what I just said, because of bio-individuality. So you're dealing with the person on an individual basis. So what may work for me may not work for you. And so let's look at all these different modalities and see exactly how we're going to integrate it so it can work for you to your specific needs.
0: Wow. Okay. Because I've heard you mention that term at least three times tonight. And I was speaking with someone actually the Fourth of July, and they were saying, "Oh, now I'm seeing an integrated medical doctor." And I'm like, "What? was that?" You know. And so yeah, I just wanted you to clarify that for me and for the listening audience. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, and, and another distinction too, another yeah. distinction is that, um, so the difference between the integrative doctor and a regular doctor, so there's certain things that a regular doctor would not even test for. Like one of the first things that this integrative doctor did, because by the time I had gone to him, you know, I had put on some extra pounds and I was just so self-conscious about that because that was never my thing to, to gain weight. And so that was... a It was an issue for me and it bothered me. And so one of the first things that he did was to do a mercury test. You know that a lot of us are walking around with high mercury level and we don't even know. So mercury, like your mercury level can be elevated from different things. It could be having maybe silver fillings in your mouth. Um, just different things that you are exposed to, like eating a lot of canned foods and those kind of things. And so one of the first things that he did was to run that mercury test. And it's a wow. test at home test where you check your urine for a few days and then you take it back in. They send it to the lab and they check your levels. Actually, it was more than the mercury level that they check. It was all these different um different levels. I don't even remember what they're called, but anything that's in your body that's elevated, that, you know, that's test, nice. that test was able to figure that. So that's mm-hmm. one of the differences between an integrative doctor and a regular doctor too.
0: Okay. That is absolutely amazing. Okay. So great. So what advice or guidance do you have for a caregiver out there today or for anyone who's looking to develop some healthier eating tips and to improve their health and wellness? What advice or guidance do you have for
1: them? Basically, I you know that you, you are deserving of living a full, abundant, healthy life, right? You are deserving of it. And so when we look at it from that standpoint where you know that you are deserving, then you will then take steps, right, to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. So a caregiver who is giving so much already like right. this person needs to make sure and be intentional maybe even have make non-negotiables and that I say that to everyone have some non-negotiables where no one or nothing will get in the way of that right you need a lot of energy to be a caregiver what are some things that you need to incorporate so that your energy levels are optimum, right? Because when your energy levels are low, that's another reason too, where we reach for the less than stellar, you know, foods. We'll eat anything when we're hungry. We'll eat anything when our energy is low. So making sure that you're keeping your energies, your energy level optimal, and just really taking care of you. Like your body is your temple, Right. God's reside. He resides in your temple. And just think about it. Do you want him to be in a body that is um, not healthy? Right. And so just bearing that in mind and taking steps to make sure that you do anything and everything in your power so He can be healthy. Wow.
0: Well, listen, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us here at the Speakeasy this evening and coming and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge on healthy eating and healthy eating tips. I thank you so much. I thank you. And please come again at any time to the
1: Speakeasy. Absolutely. Thank you so much for offering this wonderful opportunity. You are doing an amazing job. Keep up the great work. And thank you so very much for having me on your platform so I can bless others. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you so much. And so now we're going to continue our salute to our national caregivers. And so we have some additional guests coming with us. So as I said earlier in the podcast, that November is National Caregivers Month. And we have in the studio with us the CEO and founder of the Global Caregivers Network. Her name is none other than Sherelle D. D. Mims and the D stands for did not tell you so. So I'm going to bring
2: her up. Good evening, Shirelle. <laughs> How are you? Constance. Yeah, I threw
0: that in on you, didn't I? Thank you so much. <laughs> didn't
2: I tell you? Didn't, didn't I tell you so? Okay. did you tell them, Constance? Right, hey, we he told them, they didn't listen. Thank so, you hey. so much, Constance. It is so, always always a pleasure to come on your podcast. And I just, I'm just i just so excited, number one, about National Caregivers Month. The whole month is dedicated to caregivers, be it professional or family. Listen, we're here to help you. We're coming in today to share some valuable information and stay tuned. The whole month is dedicated to caregivers. Thank you so much for having me, Constance. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. Thank you so much. And so I know
0: we're going to have some additional guests to join us later, but let's talk about this amazing anthology that we have that's going to be launched soon
2: (laughs) on caregiving. Yes. Thank you so much for that question, Constance. Guess what? The listening audience, Constance is one of our wonderful co-authors. Constance is not just an author, a co-author. She is an author, an international bestseller, bestseller. We just bestsellers around here, okay? <laughs> and so we, and so this is what we go. This is what we going for for this anthology. The anthology is called "For the Love of Caregiving." Write that down. Yes, for the love of much, caregiving. I'm put that in the comments. Thank you so much for the love of caregiving. Where did I come up with this, Constance, and your listening audience? Guess what. You have to love being a caregiver. I know some of us may not, but for me, for me, I love being a caregiver. I love doing what I do. I love taking care of God's people, not just God's people, everyone. Yes. You never know where people are coming from. And with everything that has gone on in this world since the pandemic, March 2022, mark that March 20 excuse me, March 2020. Yes. when The exact date, March 10th, 2020, was the day that the pandemic hit. Now look where we're at now, all through that pandemic. Let me tell you, Constance and I and other wonderful, our colleagues uh, in the professional arena, we have been on the front line, good people. We have not yeah. left you. We're still there. We're still on the front line. We're still taking care of your loved ones and my loved ones. And so with this anthology, it was only fitting for such a time as this to bring this anthology forth right, right now for what? The National Caregivers Month. Yes. The yes. time to bring it out. You see what I'm saying? What better time? Mm-hmm. National yes. Caregivers mm-hmm. Month.
0: And yes.
2: so Constance is a wonderful, Constance, listen, Constance and I met back during another event. Yes, we did. Constance and I have not met in person yet. <laughs> but guess what? We're still connected. We still have that, that common thread, right? And the common thread is family caregivers. Come on out there in the audience. We are family caregivers and professional. But it's, guess what? It's always family first. The Bible talks about taking care of thy mother and thy father. Honor thy mother and father that your days will be long on earth. So take care of your family first. And that's where we end with everything. This is where the book, the anthology was instituted to come forth right now for National Caregivers Month. And this is where it came from, Constance. I'm telling you, my heart, I am so passionate about this. I am just so over the top, if you will, with this anthology, because we're going for the number one bestseller. Globally, we know people across the board. We know people in the States, international, and globally. So get ready. We're going to need your help. We're going to need you to support us to be a number one bestseller. Exactly. So, I know you got your people lined up. I have them lined up. Um, now that the pandemic is
0: lessening, some not totally gone. You know, I'm gonna get with some of my family in South Carolina and have some book signings. You know, yes. so I'm get this thing going. Um, you know, because it's so important. You know, being a, having been a caregiver twice. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then doing it on a daily basis professionally. And then having needed a caregiver at some time in my life, you know, it's just so important. And it's really a thankless, thoughtless role that a caregiver provides. But, you know, I want to say to every caregiver out there that's listening, God sees you. You may feel alone. Mm -hmm. You may feel isolated and unsupported. But God sees you. He knows what you're doing because why? He appointed you. Okay. Okay. He appointed you to be in that role because he knew that you were the one who could fulfill it the way it needed to be fulfilled. And so caregivers out there, you know, we salute you. We are supporting you. Any resources (laughs) or information that we have to give to you, reach out to the Global Caregivers Network. Sherelle, didn't I tell you so, Mim? <laughs> Y'all see
2: that? <laughs> Y'all see that? <laughs> Listen, that's Constance. <laughs> that's Constance messing around. Sherelle, D-Mim, and the D right. is for, say it again, Constance. Not tell tell so. So. Did not tell you Did not tell you, you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs>
2: wow. Yes, that's a indeed. One. Did yes, not tell you.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the anthology. How many collaborating authors do you have that participated in the anthology?
2: Concrete. Okay. So totally there is 15. A totality is 15. It may be one or two that may have fell off, but totality is 15. Okay. So with that, give or take two, and we still good. So it's something even about the number 12, even if there's 12, Right it's still wonderful. Exactly. Guess what? The whole thing is this. It doesn't take a, a whole lot. It just take the right ones. Amen. Just Amen. take the right ones. And so God orchestrated this. So I know it's going to do what God, his word doesn't come back void. It's going to go out and do exactly what it's supposed to do. So I know Constance, you in it. We got some other phenomenal uh, co-authors. I call everybody an author because once you put that pen to the paper and okay. start writing, <laughs> you're an author, baby. <laughs> it's just a matter <laughs> if, you got okay. it, if you got it published or not, right? So I just love being excited for this book. Just the book cover. Uh, cause I don't know if you can do it, share the screen. I don't know if you can even share the screen. If you can send me a copy of the book cover, yes, I can. Yes, to show the book cover. Yes. Because this book cover when the publisher and the project manager showed me this book cover, let me tell you, my heart was just like, oh, my goodness. You know, they show you a couple of them, but this was the one. Yeah. This was the one. What do you think about the book cover, Constance? Yeah, let me, let me explain
0: something about seeing that book cover for the first time. Okay. I know for my, yeah. anthology, for my anthology, I had envisioned one thing in my mind, what I wanted. Sure. And when the person, my graphics person put it together, she said, what's the title? What's it about? And the next day she sent me the, and I'm like, okay, this is it. I didn't need to see anything else. She said, well, i got some more. I said, no, this is it. It's something about seeing that cover that brings it all into reality.
2: Yeah.
0: I saw the cover from my book, I'm like, okay, okay, this is it. And so well the natural for the love of caregiving <laughs> as a, i can speak for myself personally sure. being a caregiver it took a lot out of me you know i sacrificed a lot mm-hmm. i would do it all over again in a heartbeat if i had to because i oh. did what i did out of love Amen. Of mm-hmm. you
2: know,
0: so it was for the love of caregiving but for me, it was out of love that I was able to do what I did. It was love. You know, oh, I had to make some crucial, and that's the title of my chapter, Crucial Decisions. Mm-hmm. I had to make some crucial decisions when it came to being the caregiver for my dad. I had to make some very crucial decisions, you know, and some that were uncomfortable for he and I. But I, at the end of the day, I am sure I made the best decision for him. It wow. so wasn't all about me. I had to fact- factor in myself, mm-hmm. career-wise, a son that I was raising, 9, 10 years old. I had to factor all that in. And so some crucial decisions had to be made. So the book cover for the love and that big red heart, it takes heart to be a caregiver. Yes. I mean, it's a real heart. And if you are a professional caregiver and you're just in it for the income, And for just to make a living, to make ends meet, you need to opt out right now. (laughs) Right. You really do. You need to opt out because I'm telling you, it's all about the love that we provide and that we show to people that we don't even know. You know, sometimes to some people, we're the only person that they see for months upon time. And so if they don't feel or see that love from us, they're missing out on something great. They really are. So caregiving is so important, be it personal or professional. It has to come from
2: the heart. And I totally agree with that, Constance. I'm telling you, sis, oh, my goodness. You know, uh, you have a chance to put the book cover up? You just send it to me. I have to send it to you? Yeah, well, if, if not, if you can't get it on here, they're going to need to go to the uh, I Global Caregiver speakers or the Global Caregivers Network on Facebook, and just look at the book cover. And what yeah. this, this, when you just see that book cover, I'm telling you, it just says something. It's a heart and it has for the love of caregiving.
0: It, it speaks very- volume, Shirena, it really does. The book cover speaks volume when you see it. Thank you it so really much. Does. It really does. When you see it, it's simple. But, you yes. know, I, I had a little patient one time in the nursing home told me said she was real small. She, I think she probably weighed like 75 pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. And she was so feisty. Mm-hmm. And she used to always tell me a little bit goes a long way. That book cover is simple, but that little bit, when you
2: see it, it goes a long way. It really does. Wow. Thank you. And you know yes. what they say, too, not to cut you off, Constance. Uh, they say simplicity, like you just said, that's simplicity. You don't want a whole lot, you don't want to take over the whole book cover. Yes. You want to keep it simple. I'm like, you when she showed me that one, it was a couple of them that they sent me. But when I seen that, I'm like, that's it. Mm-hmm. This is the one simplicity is the key. It speaks back right. what I went with simplicity. It speaks, I'm
0: telling you, listening audience, when you see it. And Sherelle, when you get off of this broadcast tonight, I want you to post it on your page and yes. on the Global Caregivers Network, and I'm going to post it on mine for those who follow me. It speaks volumes. It really does.
2: Mm-hmm. That
0: book cover itself, simple as it may be, it speaks volumes.
2: Yes, it does. And yeah. I thank you so much, Constance, for being a part of it. Constance, like I said, is just one of the authors. She's an author and a co-author. This is not her first rodeo being an anthologist. And so, but this is for the love of caregiving. This is our first anthology. And remember this, there's just something about being the first. Yes. It's something about being number one, numero uno, doing your first. When you do something for the first time, what do you do? You put your all and in all into it. I'm not saying down the line you want you won't uh, do it for the rest, but the first one, you put everything into this thing. I don't care what it is, your first baby, your first grandbaby, your first book, your first home, your first lover, your first whatever. Mm-hmm. Come on, people. When it's your first, it's your first. It's that's everything, right. baby, you put everything into it. These, these love relationships, we know we get all caught up in these. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and these love relationships, baby. And we put everything into it. This is what we did with this book. We put our all into it. We're talking about wonderful caregiver stories, experiences, what they've been through. And they give you tips and strategies and tools and resources on how to come out of these sometimes uh, stressful situations. We know as a caregiver, it can be stressful. Yes. It can be challenging. It can be lonely. You may have some days of sadness, some days when you're just alone, some days when you just want to throw your hands up in the air and say, you know what? I'm through with it. We feel that way. And those are what? Those are real emotional feelings. Yes. Yes.
0: I can take (laughs) one personal experience. I mean, there were a lot of days I was scared. Yeah. I had to leave my father. I had to entrust him with somebody else. Because <laughs> I couldn't be there. You know, and I never forget when I moved from the Midwest to San Antonio.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I tried my best to find a house that would accommodate him so I could take care of him at home in my home. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything I tried fell through. And it's like, you know, but well, God, what are you telling me? Are you telling me that maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't do this? And I never forget, I spoke with one of my aunts and she said, You know, I didn't want to say anything because I know how you are about your father. She said, But you got to remember, you got to live too. And you yeah. still have a child to raise. That's too much for you by yourself. That is too much for you to handle by yourself because your dad is totally dependent on you. That is too much. She said, So he's got people that are there at the VA to help him, allow them to do that. And, you know, so I would go and visit him and I would just be a nervous wreck. And I just cried the whole time back home because I didn't want to leave him. But praise God, they took very good care of him. Amen. Yes. Very good. You know, because they all became fond of him mm-hmm. and they he didn't want to leave. You know, when I moved to Alabama, I tried to get him to come here to the VA. He said, no, uh-uh. He said, no. <laughs> you know, everybody here knows me and I know them. He said, nope, mm just yes. keep coming to see me. He said, just keep coming to see me. And so as a caregiver, there are emotions you go through. You know, there's fear, there's anger, there's isolation, there's hurt, there's guilt. Because mm-hmm. so there was some guilt for me. And like, and Lord, am I doing the right thing? Wow. Am I doing the right thing? So all those emotions, but at the end of the day, when you can look back and say, I did the right thing. For
2: my yeah. Loving. Wow. That is beautiful. Says a lot. It really does. And I know you know what, Constance, as being the only child, I can't even imagine because I grew up with siblings. You know, I have four sisters, two brothers, but one of my brothers is deceased. And I started this journey early. Right. I started this journey early. Like I say, everything starts with the family. Yes. So guess what? Uh, as a 11 years old and, and counting, I really became a caregiver at the age of 11. Same thing. You were a little bit older, but I was younger when I started taking care of my father. So you got to be transparent with people and let them know where you came from. Yes. My father was unfortunately an alcoholic. He worked in the plant, you know, and you know back then the father was the head of the household. The mother didn't say too much she was just what she was rearing the kids she was the nurturer she made sure the dinner was ready she made sure all the kids was you know go to school do this do that with the kids and so i became a caregiver at the age of 11 and helping my mother and other family members take care of my father and so that went a long way with me and from there it stemmed into what you know, going to high school, going to college, getting my degree as a registered nurse, and then from on and on and on. This is how I became a pe- professional. It went from family to professional. Okay. And this has been my passion from the beginning. God already knew while I was in the womb what I was going to be doing. I just had to discover what God wanted me to do here on earth. When we're in the womb and when everything is already done, God has given us everything that we need. Everything. We have to discover what God wants us to do here on earth. And that's my passion. I discovered it, oh my goodness. A pastor said one day, whatever you do every day, that is your ministry. I'm gonna say it again. Whatever you do every day, that is your ministry. That is your passion. You have to figure out how you're going to make this into something that you want it to be, and this is where the global caregivers network came into play. Here we are 20 plus years later, and I discovered what God wants me to do here on earth. Come on through here. Wow. I made it make sense, baby. (laughs) I I made it make sense. All them years going to Taking care of patients. And Constance, you already know in the healthcare, you know, you, you were in that way before I got into it. So, you know, up and down the hallways, running down the hall with IVs and piggybacks yes, and yes. all this other good stuff, talking with family. I've been a case manager and all of these, in these, some of these situations. Now, currently what I am doing, I'm a neuropsychiatric nurse. What does that mean? Neuro, dealing with the brain and the spinal cord but mostly it's the brain when you're talking about psych, Alzheimer and dementia. And then we got the psychiatric part, everything in between uh schizophrenia, antisocial personality, bipolar, I'm dealing with all of that now. This is my calling, mental health now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and I I can understand that, you know, because In mental health. Mm -hmm. We We deal with a lot. I know for me to take it and combine it in a correctional atmosphere, you know, and we're working with individuals, you know, who maybe if they would have been diagnosed, because I've had several inmates to tell me that someone would have gotten a hold of them by age 13, 14 and properly diagnosed them and got them on the right track, they wouldn't be in prison today. Wow because of the poor impulse Mm -hmm. and the the poor decision-making. And so they Mm. end up in places like that. And so we really, you know, that's again, going back to that heart. There you go. And for love, you know, if you are not compassionate enough, you know, to deal with someone who number one is in a correctional facility, Mm -hmm. number two, they're mentally ill and to treat them with the utmost dignity and respect because guess what? They deserve it just like we do. That's right. They belong to someone just like we do. They have someone mm-hmm. that loves them and cares about them just like we do. And yes. as I often tell employees a lot of times, I say, you know what? Be careful how you approach them. I approach them with love and respect because guess what? The difference between them and us, they got caught. We didn't get caught. That's the only difference.
2: Wow. That is and so real. so, so-
0: you, they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Absolutely. You know, I make sure when I walk those halls, when I do my site visits, if I see them in the hallway, I greet them. Sure. A, lot of, a lot of them know, know me by name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I respect them you know, because they belong to someone and they're human beings just like we are. Now we sure. have a comment from one of our viewing audience and he says, a ruby in the hand of a swine is a stone but in the hand of a jeweler it's money oh that says a lot wow that 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 says a lot a root in the hand of a swine is a stone but in the hand of a jeweler it's money
2: Mm, that is good so true thank Thank you for sharing that in the audience wow a jeweler sees that money yes they see it as money
0: Mm-hmm. So it, what that's what is saying to me is that what we do as caregivers and what caregivers around the world do, it has value. Absolutely, Why? You, know, you give up yourself every day and sacrifice. That's value. It has value. It is. And you know what? Right, right, I thought about you know value when you do it, but it has value to that person you're caring for.
2: Absolutely. And yeah. you know what? I always think about what Jesus said at the beginning. We're not going to make this a we already been to church today, but even Jesus said he come to serve and not to be served, right? Mm-hmm. I come to serve you. My patients be looking at me like Sherelle. I'm like, listen, I come to serve you. What do you, what do you need, baby? they be like, oh my goodness. They just need someone to have fun with them. So what I do, instead of this humdrum weekend, right? When I go in, I take them popcorn. It's, I mean, it may be uh, during the weekday, but I take them popcorn, we watch movies, I draw with them, I color with them, whatever they wanna do. Listen, we can't just be so standoffish like you just said, and just let the patient just, just be, I mean, there's already nothing to do in these places. Right. So I make the best of it. Yeah. sometimes the times I'm with them, they be loving it. I'm telling you, we do the popcorn thing, we do the movie thing, we do the color, right? Then in the process of doing all that, guess what? We're talking we're communicating. I'm finding out what's on their mind. You know, what brought you in here? What's going on? How can I help you? What are you planning on doing when you leave? You're not planning on being here forever. So what are you planning on doing when you leave? You see what I'm saying? Communicate. Communication is the key. Yes. Find out. And that's in any relationship. And guess what? Even while I'm communicating with them, they're trusting me more they open yeah. up for, they look forward to seeing me. Same thing with you, Constance, when you go into the prison system, they look forward to seeing you because they know they can trust you. Just that hello and taking that time out to communicate with them made all the difference. My one patient told me, he said, you know what? I know you nice. I know you do things with love in your heart. And that just came from out of nowhere. I was just giving him a bath. Of course, sometimes they act out. I just took the time because he was sweating so bad from his medication they started him on. I just helped him. Took off all his clothes. And just, you no, know what? I just wiped him down, soaked him down in some water. I washed his hair, combed his hair out for him. That You know what he did? And then he went to sleep like a baby. <laughs> all that time, all that hollering. He was doing. Uh, you know what? It just regrets back to what? Just nurturing them. Yes. just being kind to him people can feel your vibes baby they feel you when you real and when you not you know it, whether he said it was he know he didn't know me but he spoke the truth he knew i had love in my heart when i came in there and took care of him it was just the little things washing his hair he had you know did a little extra on himself cleaned them all the way up from the top to the bottom and washed his hair and combed his hair and fed her What did, what did Angela my, uh Milo say? What's her name? Angela Milo my-, my-, my Angela, yeah. What did she say? Quote, I I might be paraphrasing it. People don't care nothing about what you do. They want to know that you love them, that they can feel what you doing. You know what I'm saying? They don't care nothing about what you say, what you do. Exactly. You got to take care of my needs. I need to be bathed, I need to be fed, I need to be loved. That's what they want. Yes. They don't care nothing about all that extra. So they won't know how they, they won't know how you made they, how you made them feel. They don't care nothing about all that extra. And wow. my angel said it best. People don't care nothing about how you what you say. I'm paraphrasing. They won't know how you made them feel. Wow. How, so how are you making people feel? How are you making people feel? Do they get anxious when they see you? Do they they pull away from you? Do they speak to you? Or do they just run away from you? How do you make people feel? Even as a caregiver. Yes. Michelle Clark in the listening audience says they
0: may not remember what you say or do. That's but it. We'll always remember
2: how we make them feel. Come on, Michelle D. Clark. All right okay that's what i'm saying right there that's yeah. it right there yes they yes. don't care nothing about that how did you make them feel
0: so Shirelle, if someone in the listening audience wants to connect with you
2: and the global caregivers network how would they find you you can find me my listening audience is wonderful you can find me number one on global caregivers network that is a private Facebook group. You can always connect with me and global caregiver speakers. Now, this is our wonderful page where we have caregivers to come to the platform and and share their story. You can connect with me and talk about that later. I can give you more details on that. Also, listen, let's connect. Let's talk on the phone. You can call me at 260-218-3377. That number again is 260- 218-3377. And also, you can email me, sherell, S-H-E-R-R-E-L-L at globalcaregivers.net. Connect with me. You have all my resources. Connect with me. Let me know what's on your mind. I wanna talk to you. Let's talk about it. Let's see where you're going with things for 2023. And guess what? Don't forget, we're coming forth this month. Stay tuned for all of the co-authors and myself. We're going to bring this book to you for the love of caregiving. It's coming at you this month, right. November, for National Caregivers Month, the whole month. Then okay. also, uh, Constance, you can tell about what's going on from here for the National Caregivers Month. We're going yes. to be celebrating caregivers. Yes, every week we're gonna feature we're gonna
0: have featured caregivers, caregiver support persons, health coaches, experts, other collaborating authors from this anthology will be joining us to salute caregivers around the world. So I'm excited. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Um next week, I will be coming live from London, England in the UK. Yay! I'm looking forward to it, and we will have the podcast live there. And so, if you have some time, join us next week. Um, Sherelle, Mr. Canell Lewis says text him your number. Who? He's his text number. Canell Lewis, he didn't give a number to connect. I'll, I'll paste it and put it on his um, LinkedIn profile. Sure. And message okay, for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been a great discussion, um, a much needed discussion. I'm looking forward to the remainder of the month. And even though we observe and salute caregivers in November, Mm -hmm. it continues because guess what? The caregiving continues. It continues. It continues. It continues. And so, Sherelle, I want to thank you for coming tonight and sharing. And to the listening audience, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And until next week, May God continue to bless you richly today, tomorrow, and forever. Yeah. Good night. Everyone.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Sheryl. My pleasure.